If someone calls you a lightweight, it is not a compliment. They're indicating that you are either particularly unintelligent or that you have very little influence or that there's no need to take you seriously. And, and I'm thinking this morning that this guy from the Old Testament named Gideon, who's described in Judges 6 and 7, would have been considered a lightweight. At a minimum, when God spoke to him, he considered himself a lightweight. These are the words that Gideon uses to describe himself on the day that God calls him into action. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. There's a self-concept problem here, right? But the problem really is simple. Gideon can't see either what God can see nor what God can do. Because when God speaks to Gideon, he uses these words. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, and I will be with you. Those, works make, those words make all the difference then and now. I want to tell you the story of a dream and an unconventional battle this morning. And you can find the details of this story in Judges 6 and 7. This is the story as revealed in the scripture. So at the time, Israel is under the bondage to the nation of the Midianites. Once again, Israel has forsaken and forgotten God, and so they do not enjoy the protection of God since they've walked away from him. And they find themselves at this particular point in the story griping to God again about their miserable situation, and God hears them yet again, and in response to the cry of Israel, God calls to Gideon, so that Gideon can lead the people of Israel out of bondage yet again. God speaks to Gideon, but Gideon can't see it. He doesn't have any resources. He doesn't have any political position to make any difference in the situation. Simply put, in Gideon's mind, no one in Israel will follow him at all. He doesn't have any voice. He doesn't have any standing. He doesn't have any position. He is a lightweight in Israel. No influence, no army, no followers. He doesn't have the resources to do anything. But God is calling, and so he listens. Always a wise thing to do. I'm not going to tell you the whole story of the process by which God calls Gideon or the ways that Gideon tests God to be sure that it's really God speaking. But at the end of the day, Gideon trusts God to help him, and he calls Israel out to do battle against the Midianites. And surprise, surprise, probably most of all to Gideon's surprise, when Gideon calls to Israel to come out and do battle and, and re resist the Midianites, they all come out. The scriptures say tens of thousands of them show up. About 32,000 men show up for the battle. 
That's a sizable army. That's influence. It isn't Gideon's influence. It's the movement of the Spirit of God that calls them into service through Gideon's voice to do the work of the Lord. But even God is cautious here. And he and Gideon have a conversation. God says essentially to Gideon, Gideon, I can't let you take that many men into battle. It would not be good for you. If you take that many men into battle, you guys will think you won the battle on your own strength, on your own merit, and you will remain prideful and arrogant, and I can't afford to let you become that. Israel must learn to trust me and to rely on me. So Gideon, make a speech and send all the people who are terrified to go into battle, just send them home right now, right? Before the battle has begun, just send them home. These are the words the Lord uses. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And so in response to that commander pep talk, 22,000 men leave before the battle starts. 10,000 remain. 22,000 men left before the battle started. I mean, that must have really encouraged Gideon. He wasn't sure about this whole thing to start with. And then God delivered him a big army, and his confidence must have soared, and then God let two-thirds of the army leave. What was God thinking? But he didn't have long to wait to figure that out. God says to Gideon, no confidence, high confidence, not so high confidence. He says, Gideon, you still have too many men. Gideon's heart must have fallen again. But wisely, he listens for instructions and starts over. And this is what God says to Gideon. There are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Gideon's got to be scratching his head. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And so down to the river they go, hot and thirsty. Everyone gets a drink. Some guys are so thirsty, they drop to their knees. They drink the water out of the river like dogs lapping up liquid with their tongues. A few of them kneel down, scoop the water up with their hands, bring it to their mouths, and drink that way. Most folks stick their faces in the river. 300 use their hands to bring water to their mouths. And God says, you see those 300 guys who did this thing? Keep them, send everybody else home. There had to have been great confusion that day. Brave, stalwart soldiers who were not terrified, who were not fearful, are being sent away back home on the eve of the battle. The battle hasn't started yet. Why are we sending our soldiers away? Gideon the lightweight must have been wondering what was going on. But he knew, he knew without a doubt that God had called him to that moment. 
The angel of the Lord had consumed the sacrifice that Gideon had prepared with fire. God had protected him. If you read back in chapter 6, it's all listed there. God had protected him from the wrath of his own town after he destroyed the altar of Baal. God had answered the test of the fleece, demonstrating his willingness to use Gideon. Gideon knew that God had called him into action. So Gideon sent away the almost 10,000 warriors that day. You know, incidentally, after 123 years of ministry here in Manchester, Connecticut, we also know with great certainty that God has called us to minister in this place at this time. There shouldn't be any doubt in our minds that we have been called to this job here and now. He has evidenced his work among us time and time again, decade after decade. There should be no doubt when we look back at the mighty works of God in this place, that we have been called for his glory to work for the kingdom here in this place in this time. It is the conviction that we have been called that allows us to be obedient in times when things don't make as much sense to us as we think they ought to. It is the conviction that Praying together is important. That will keep us praying when we don't have the time to do it. It is the conviction that our kids need to learn the word of God and that Jesus loves them that will keep us teaching even when we are short of teachers and volunteers. It is the conviction that God wants to save the lost, heal families, bring his peace and justice to our communities that will keep us working for the kingdom even when COVID has torn our community and our unity into pieces. We've been called to this work and God has promised to be with us in it. Amen. Sorry for that little discursion. Back to the story. So Gideon now has 300 warriors. It's always God. Oh yeah. And those words of the Lord, Gideon, I will be with you. 300 plus those words. And the Midian camp is before them. And it is not small. In the night, the Lord wakes Gideon up and gives him further instructions. Get up and go down there right now. Listen, this is my favorite part of the story. This is what the scripture says in chapter 7. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in this valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Sounding to me like a few more than 300, right? Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. This is one of the Midianites talking now. And Gideon is eavesdropping at the tent flap, okay? This is what the Midianite says. I had a dream, he was saying. And a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. 
his friend responded, neighboring Midianite. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. Don't you love that? God could have just told Gideon what to do, right? He could have just expected Gideon to step out in faith and do what he was told to do. But God helped Gideon do what he told him to do. God gave Gideon a glimpse of what he was doing, and lightweight Gideon knew exactly the right thing to do at a moment like that. He bowed down and worshiped the God of heaven. Because that God's ways are magnificent. He not only commands us, he shows us, tells us, reminds us of his great works, puts deliverance in the mouth of the enemies so that we can know that he is active and acting and calling and moving us forward. God gave Gideon a preview of what he was going to do. God had led him all the way. He was in God's hands and God would lead him the rest of the way. You can guess how the story ends. Gideon gives the men the instructions God gives him for them. In the middle of the night, they get up. These 300 men line up along the perimeter of the camp. They break pots that have torches concealed in them so that all of a sudden, the whole line around the camp bursts into light and all the Israelites shout. And the Midianites, thinking that the Israeli army is among them, are confused and terrified. They don't know which end is up. They run into each other. They fight each other, and then they flee. And God shows Israel it's not the size of the army, it's not the size of the enemy, it's not the size of the obstacle that matters. What matters is trust in God and obedience to him. What matters is humility enough to realize that anything that is ever accomplished in the kingdom of God is accomplished by the hand of God. What matters is that our conviction that we are called by God to make a difference is firm and rooted in the calling of God. What matters is, is that when God says go, we go. That's what matters. And you and I know we are in a battle right now. Before COVID started, there were about 200 people attending this church regularly. Right now we're averaging between 80 and 100 each Sunday morning. Our fighting force is less than it was. And now on top of that, we're sending some of our beloved staff people away to work in a different field, same kingdom, different field. And that is heartbreaking and a little daunting. Just when we need to rebuild, our, our resources are a little lower and we have less workers and there are fewer kids in the school and a rise in the Delta variant and it all feels so overwhelming. And you know what? It's okay to feel overwhelmed as long as you understand 
that God is not in the least bit overwhelmed. He's just not. And he has called us to this time and this place. And he plans to expand his kingdom through us. And he's calling for us right now to not be afraid, but to trust in him. Paul says to Timothy, when Timothy's a little shaken, he says, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And we re remember back to Zechariah's words in the, in the fourth chapter that his work is not accomplished by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I suspect this morning that God is whispering into some of your ears, Hey, mighty warrior, it's time to get moving. There is a children's church to be rebuilt. There's a youth group to be rebuilt. There's a men's fellowship to be rebuilt. There's a woman's fellowship to be rebuilt. There is a worship team to be rebuilt. There is a technology team to be rebuilt. There is a community outreach program to be rebuilt. There is a mission program to be rebuilt. Friends, we exist in this community by the call of God to make a difference. And he wants to build his kingdom through you and through me. Will we step into action, trusting him to make his work possible through us, no matter our size or situation? E each of us have to answer that question. When God speaks to us, will we answer? I'm grateful today that you don't have to wait until God speaks to you to answer the question. Did you know that? You can answer the question before he asks it. You can say, Lord, whatever you say, I will do with your help. You can say that today. You can say that now. You don't have to wait until you get woken up in the middle of the night and sent down to the Midian camp to listen to what the enemy has to say in their mouths. You don't have to wait for that moment. You can choose now that whatever the Lord asks you to do, but Lord, you don't know my circumstances. I've got this going on. I got this. How can I do anything more? If you would just choose to say yes now, you'll know it when the question comes. And you can understand that if you're feeling like too overwhelmed to step into action, God can remedy that for you. He can just help you delete other things from your life so that you have the time and space to do what he knows is best for you and for the kingdom. But it will require you to say yes. And I encourage you to say yes in advance, to determine that you will obey God when he comes calling. You don't have to obey me. I'll probably come calling. You don't have to obey me. You don't have to obey the church board when they knock on your door and say, will you help? But you have to obey God. And sometimes the voice of God will come through some of those folks. And so a prayerful yes to God is all important. I say to you, this work will not be done by might or power or 
by anything other than the Spirit of God. What was it that Pastor Fitch said back in 1903? No contrivance of man will move the work forward, but we must rely on God. It will be his work done his way according to his plan, and our size and ability is essentially meaningless. I mean, think it for a second. What was the dream? A loaf of barley knocked down the tent? Do you know how much a loaf of barley weighs? Not so much. It was almost like God was tipping his hand to the enemy saying, this light, insignificant loaf of bread is going to blow you all away. It's not on who we are. It's on who he is. It's about the power and majesty of God and the fact that he has a plan to use us for his glory in this kingdom. And we must say yes. Will you be his hands and his feet? I want to be your hands and feet I want to be your voice every time I speak I want to run to the ones in need In the name of Jesus I want to give my life away All for your kingdom's sake Shine a light in the darkest place In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Let's sing that again I want to be your hands and feet I want to be your voice every time I speak I want to run to the ones in me in the name of Jesus, I want to give my life away, all for your kingdom's sake. Shine a light in the darkest place, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to sing the few words of another song in a moment, but mostly what I'm attempting to do is give you space, interior space today, to answer the question in advance, to say to God, whatever you call me to do, I'll do that. Count on me. Not that I feel like I have any particular resources to offer or that I have anything to bring to the table. But if you will direct me, Lord, I'll say yes. So while we sing this little song, I'd invite you to answer that question in your heart. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today in your church, Lord, 
be glorified, be glorified in your church, Lord. Be glorified today in our town, Lord. Be glorified, be glorified in our town, Lord. Be glorified today. Take my life, Lord, and let it be consecrated now to thee. Let my moments and my days take them, Lord. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We invite your direction. And we want you to know that we're available, that we choose to say yes to you, that you can count us among the 300, that we'll be the folks to follow you, that you might be glorified here in this place. And now may the glory of God shine in your faces. May he enable you to do all that he calls you to do. And together, may we be quick to answer his call for his glory now and always. Amen.